welcome back to season three of the podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Blackwood. As many of you know, I wrote my autobiography as a survivor of human trafficking called Custom Justice. But if you didn't know, you do now. Keeping in line with that, this entire season has been focused on interviewing people who did or plan to write about their own experiences as trauma survivors and how they overcame their past. As much as we all hate commercials, they are a necessary evil these days. That's what keeps this show on the air. You can also show support by purchasing one of my books or donating through PayPal. You can find the links to either option in the podcast description. As always, a portion of the proceeds do go to local organizations that help fight human trafficking. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Blackwood. Uh, With me today, I have a really interesting man who has had quite the crazy life. Um, He's just retired as a police officer. He was a a police officer for 33 years and was a child protection detective for 14 years. I'm sure a lot of you guys can probably uh, imagine he's, he's seen some stuff and it's, it's been rough. Uh, but Jack has overcome a lot of trauma, and he is here with us today, and he's written several books, and I can't wait to talk to him about it. Jack, welcome to the show. Good morning, Amanda. Well, it's, it's morning here. I know it's uh, late afternoon where you are, but uh, no, it's an absolute pleasure to be be here with you. Absolutely. I'm so happy that you were uh, available for this. Uh, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up? Have you always been in your same area? Have you moved around? Uh, so I live in the city of Brisbane in, in Queensland, Australia. Um, that's the, the capital city of, of our state, Queensland. Um, I grew up in a city called Toowoomba, up on up on a mountain. Uh, it's, it's sort of cooler weather there. I was, I was born and bred in, in Toowoomba. Uh, but I joined the police academy very, very young. I was um, 17 years of age, straight out of, I just finished high school, finished grade 12. Um, and I was accepted into the police academy back in those days. That was 1988. Back in those days, um, they had a cadetship program, so certain people were selected each year straight out of high school, and we spent a year and a half uh, at the police academy in, in Brisbane. And then uh, I was sworn in as a police officer, and I hadn't yet turned 19. Um, so wow. I was just a kid out in the streets, but I had to mature very quickly. So there, there was a whole cohort of guys, and we're still in contact. And incidentally, I saw on Facebook this morning, uh, today marks the 30th anniversary that we walked into the pearly gates of the Oxley Police Academy in Brisbane. So or all my old mates from the, the academy are sharing that information today on Facebook. So it's, it's uncanny. Yeah, so that's kind of where my policing career started. And I was still a, basically a kid, but I got exposed to some, um, some very interesting situations and had to mature very quickly. And then my, my career kind of took off from there. Uh, fast forward 30 plus years, and um, I've decided to um, just experience life outside the police. And, and with my writing career, I'm, I'm, I'm keen to pursue that further. So, I mean, we can go into it in more detail, but that kind of prompted me. I, I had to make a decision. Do I continue and, and do the obligatory 40 plus years and retire at 60 and, and off you go? Or just while I'm still young enough, I'm in my, my early 50s, do I get out now and, and uh, try and experience life outside the, the constraints of the, the policing establishment? And, and I was very keen to pursue my writing career. So, um, so that's kind of what led me to my, my recent decision to to um, to to lead the police, and it was it was certainly with mixed feelings. Um, but I'm I'm so pleased I did, and it's now given me an opportunity to sort of experience life outside police. 
Yeah, absolutely. I know it can be really a difficult adjustment for a lot of people, especially after they've been in for 33 years. But it sounds like you you already had some goals in mind. So you kind of knew which direction you were going to head in. Yeah, I think, and that's key. I, I I left not because I was miserable or I was negative. I felt I was still in a quite a positive frame of mind, um, and, and I I left on a on a positive note. I left on my own terms, but I left for a reason because I wanted to pursue my my writing career. Conclusion that if I want to do that seriously, I can't really still be a police officer and be writing crime fiction. There's too much of a conflict of interest, and uh, and you know so. So, you know, my, my, my wife and, and other close people were the ones that sort of gave me advice and said, just follow your heart. What, what is it that you want to do and what's going to make you happy? And so ultimately I, I, I battle with what's the expectations of other people or what I perceive to be the expectations of other people uh, and what was going to be best for me and my family and what, and what was going to make me happy. So I, I opted and, and made that decision. Sounds like an awesome decision. I mean, I know you've got quite a bit of a following. I love seeing people get all excited about your books. I can't wait to get to that part of the conversation. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, we mentioned a little bit in the email uh, my own personal background. So I'm going to take a moment one more time just to say thank you for everything that you have done. And I know firsthand that you've made some amazing impacts in people's lives because of what it was that you had to do. And I know that was not an easy job at any point in time. And I know you don't often get to hear from the people that you've impacted because your job is to continue moving forward and to help the next person. And just know that you're, you're make, you've made a massive difference in a lot of lives. And I am if, honored think- to have you with me. Well, thank you. That certainly means a lot. And to be honest, it's you, know, you don't receive many thank yous along the way. Um, but when you do get a thank you, it does mean a lot. And, and it's, it is interesting that after I made the decision to, to leave after over 33 years, the, the number of people that have said, look, we're so pleased you made the decision. You're doing it for the right reasons, for your reasons. But thank you for what you've done and your contribution. And, and I guess you don't really think about that because there's so many people, you know, so many police officers that are out there today doing the business and, you know, they're still out and they're not getting thanked. So uh, it, it is. Yeah. It, it means a lot for those for those um, guys and girls that are out there on the front line. Yeah, yeah. I have no doubt. I try to uh, pay for a meal if I see one in a shop somewhere. It's just kind of a personal thing I do. Um, another part of my own background story, um, I won't go too far into it, was one of the people who trafficked me in the past was actually a police officer. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to hold all police accountable for what one person did. There's evil mm. people in every line of work, unfortunately, um, mm. but there's more good than bad in the police service, I believe. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So what kind of a tra- what kind of traumas did you have to deal with uh, that really kind of uh, affected you and, and changed your your mindset or the way that you looked at life in general? Yeah, I guess, as I said, I, I worked um, in general duties, mobile patrols. For the, my first kind of five years of my, my career, that's out in you know as a patrol officer dealing with the traffic crashes and domestic disputes and and all those things that first response police go to, and then fairly young in my career I moved into playing clothes as a as a trainee detective and then I I kind of moved into the specialised in the area of uh, youth crime and and child protection and child abuse focused on that for and then end up having a fourteen year career in that in that that area. Um, it's one of those things that doesn't, it, it kind of sneaks up on you. You don't realise that you're burnt out or you don't realise that you're stressed. And I do need to, to point out that as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm no different to anyone else. I, I was just doing my job just like everyone else was doing their job. 
um, I, I don't feel that my experiences were any sort of different or more traumatic than, than the next police officer. But I guess I, I, you, you do learn from looking back retrospectively. When I started writing my first crime fiction book, I didn't know why I was writing it at the time. I just felt I needed to purge some stuff that I was carrying around. And and it's only when you look back that you realised how much of a dark place because you can't see it you, you, you just cannot the old cliche you can't see the forest for the trees you just cannot see it at the time and it wasn't until I finally left that line of work and, and my career progressed into a different direction I realized just how much of a dark place it was because I was being ex- exposed to such sad cases every day and uh, and and you, you do learn to be resilient to that sort of stuff but it does it does have to be naive to suggest that it doesn't wear away at you and it just exposure to you know children in horrific situations um child deaths um whole range of investigations and it does it, it grates away at you and it changes the way you see the world you become very suspicious and you bring things home with you and I, I i used to sit and stew i wouldn't say i wouldn't talk and my wife would say you know what's what's the matter and i just wouldn't talk so when i started writing it was my way to start expressing really the way i was feeling that was really therapeutic for me yeah absolutely what kind of um, experiences did you go through that you ended up writing about? What was the stuff that you needed to purge? Probably for me that there was one particular incident that was a catalyst for me. I was involved in in the town I was working at the time. There was a homicide investigation where uh, a, a couple of men, men and women had been shot and killed inside their home. Um, and there were seven children in the home. They both had children from previous relationships and, and had come together. Wow. And there, and there were seven kids. So along with a, a team of other detectives, um, I, I was called in at midnight. And my job with um, with this other team of detectives was to interview the children about what they'd seen. I had been in, involved in situations like that before where there'd been uh, a domestic homicide. And, and I had to interview two boys who'd witnessed their father um, stabbing their mother to death in a domestic incident. Um, and you get very connected to those kids and in the ongoing support for those kids and then working with the Department of Child Safety and you can't help but not get involved in their lives. But this other particular homicide really, um, to me and and myself and the other detectives, we we got to know these kids, we looked after them, um, stayed with them for a long time and then we we stayed connected with them for some time. Uh, And then as time went on, we kind of lost that connection as the court case proceeded. But it was a it was a matter that went on for a couple of years, ongoing court cases, and and later on when I started writing, I kind of that that whole experience inspired me to start telling a story. It was a fictional story, but then I started using that as a as a, as a starting point. I wrote this fictional story, but then I was picking out all these other experiences I'd had with different people along the way, and I'd I'd meld them into one story. And by doing that, by telling this fictional story, I keep saying that the the detective in my story, I used him as a vehicle to, for me to say the way I was feeling about certain experiences, even though I was putting into the context of a fictional story. So, um, yeah, so I started to really handpick um, real life experiences and, and that formed the basis of my first book. That is fantastic. What was the first book called? So it's called The Angels Wept. It's uh, it's out now. Um, the second book is currently being edited, um, which which with my publisher Hawkeye Publishing here in Brisbane, um, we're looking at uh, releasing it and and also re-releasing um, book one with the new cover uh, this year. And book three is also it's written, but I'm I'm in the process of um, of rewriting that as well and and doing some some more thorough. 
And really, book two and book three, they follow on from book one. Um, but again, very strongly influenced by my own experiences as a police officer and trying to make trying to make the story and the voice of the police officer uh, as, as authentic as possible. Well, I can't imagine you would have any problem with that. I mean, this is something that you yourself have, have lived. You've experienced this life and this trauma with these kids. Have you... Have you been able to follow up with the kids at all since the incident occurred? Have you found out how they're doing? Um, I, I have through sort of secondhand connections. I've kind of found out, you know, how, the, how they're doing. And um, so, but no, I, I don't have any ongoing contact. And it, it's mm. interesting though, like I've been, when I was at a particular station, I was stationed there for 11 years and I had this young guy, he was in his early twenties and he came in to visit me and I didn't re- remember him. And he said, look, I just wanted you to um, know that you you dealt with me. I was, in, I was um, in a lot of trouble. I was going off the track. And you intervened. And because of you, you got me back on track. And I really just want to thank you for, for what you did. And I, I could hardly remember him. But clearly, my involvement with him had had meant a lot. And he actually made an effort to come in to thank me, to say he got his life, life back on track. Um, and, and that meant a lot. So occasionally you do get the opportunity to come across people that you've you've had dealings with and you can kind of think, well, yeah, maybe I did in fact have a, a positive impact on people's lives. That's amazing, Jack. That's really cool. I love that kid. I don't even know that kid, but I love that kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like one of the greatest uh, tools for you to be able to move beyond the things that were bothering you about your past was writing. Is that right? Yeah, and again, I see that now. At the time, I didn't know. Yeah. Some people might write a diary or they speak to people, they go to therapy, or some people might abuse alcohol or, or whatever. But, um, I mean, certainly, you know, having a social beer after work was part of our culture. And, you know, but um, for me, I try to keep it keep it healthy. I always played sport and I had connections outside of work through playing – I played soccer and had a lot of, lot of friends in, in my sort of social network. And I think it's important to have connections outside of work. If, you're, if your source of stress or trauma is, is, is as a result of the job that you do, whether you're a first responder, um, you know, I think it's important to have those connections outside of work so you've got some sort of release and you're not just living and breathing with those same people all the time, talking shop constantly. Um, and having family support, which I've been very lucky. I've had very strong family support. And I think recognising the symptoms of burnout or trauma um, and, and responding to them, but more importantly, recognising the need to make a change, um, that for me was the most important. Is saying, I've got to do something. I have to change my circumstances to dig myself out of this hole. Right. Wow. That's amazing. So if you came across another uh, officer right now who was experiencing, like you just said, burnout, um, trauma, stress, what what would be your best piece of advice that you would give them? I think first of all is to find someone they trust that they can talk to and and, and speak honestly about how they feel. I think it's very difficult for uh, first responders to to do that because we're expected to be strong yeah. and you're expected to be the one leading and, and being out the front and, and carrying everyone else's burden. You're not expected to be weak. Um, and it can be weakness so i know people who have suffered from post-traumatic um stress because and a lot of that is they put themselves under so much pressure that i must be strong um and that any any sign of of being depressed or stressed is a sign of weakness and it's to recognize that's not true that is not weakness it's, it means that you're a human being and and speak to somebody seek help um 
and and start thinking about well, how can I either, either start to reframe the way I see the world in a more in a more positive light, or do I need to just simply extract myself out of that, that situation? In my case, I did. The only way for me to get out of that line of work was to to physically transfer, and we had to actually leave the town, um, sell our house. I had three young kids who were still at school. And we then had to move to to Brisbane and and start our life again. But I needed to do that to break to break the cycle to get myself out of that um, that hamster wheel that I was stuck on. Um, and then my career took off in another in another direction. But and and I was able to close the book on that. And that's when I started writing was so I could start to make sense of okay, well, how was I feeling back then? And you know, I was at risk of really falling off, falling over. If I hadn't have done something sooner, I could have fallen over quite badly. But luckily, I did. I got out, and I probably did that work too long when when I look back. So th- that's probably my key bits of advice for someone who's starting to see those trigger signs of of, uh, of trauma or, or stress. That's awesome. What's um. This is a question I don't think I've ever asked on this podcast before, but you get so many people that want to reach out to you about your, your books and your writing. What's some of the favorite comments that you have that people have uh, said to you about your book? I think um, people really appreciate the, the, the honesty. I, I, I try and tell a very honest story and I, that my key detective, um, the protagonist, he, He's just a very personal, personable guy. He's not one of those cliche detectives that you see on the on the movies. Um, <laughs> he's just an ordinary guy, and uh, I think and he's got a family, and you know he's uh, in a, he's in a strong relationship with his wife, and he's he's suffering stress. There's conflicts within his workplace. There's conflicts externally, but he just comes across, and he's got weaknesses. He's not a hero kicking kicking in doors. He lacks confidence. He's got he's got faults. So I just believe that people people kind of um, relate to him as a person my main character jared o'connor and and that's why after i finished the first book i felt well he's got so many more stories to tell and people people were saying when's book two coming i want to find out what happens next um so i just kind of felt that this character i'd created uh which was again was built on a lot of my own personal experiences people wanted to know more they wanted to know more about about him um so that's why i wrote book two and then ultimately book three that's awesome do you know when book three is going to be coming out uh, probably not till next year. The the main focus this year will be um, re uh, re releasing book one, followed by book two soon after, um, and then we'll be looking at probably book three um, late this year or early next year. Nice. I love that these are going to be in a, a quick succession. A lot of people uh, get frustrated when authors wait four or five years to release the next one. <laughs> I know I'm yeah. like that. <laughs> Yeah, and it's a good. It's it's really nice to be under that pressure when people are saying, "When's the next book coming out?" I, I never thought I'd, I'd be under under so much pressure, but that's a good thing, I think, for an author. Oh yeah, absolutely. People love what you're doing. They want more. They're craving it. They're begging for it. That's yeah, absolutely. that's huge. I mean, that's and the mark of being successful to me. Yeah, and and as my books have evolved, as we talked about, my first book was more about me writing about and expressing the way I felt and character as a vehicle to kind of to be my voice about my frustrations and anxieties and stress. But then as I started merging a book two and book three, I started more focusing on just trying to tell a really good yarn, a really good story. Um, still trying to keep it as authentic as possible, but really trying to up the ante in terms of the, 
um, the conflicts and the the, um, the drama that's unfolding. So it, it's been certainly been a very good um, lesson and, and learning in terms of trying to be a better writer and, and trying to keep readers engaged through telling good, honest uh, and gritty crime stories. Right. Do you have future plans for um, writing more books about the same genre or just a different detective or would you like to keep this series alive? Do you have any plans like that coming up? Yeah, that all, all great questions, and I wish I had an answer. Um, depends <laughs> on what what date is as to how as to how I might answer that. Um, I, I do like the idea of continuing with my series and writing a book four. I've already got some ideas for that. I did also write a standalone book. It's called The Ghost Train in the Scarlet Moon. It's a it's a young adult book. It's kind of a um, if those that might know the Stephen King. It, it's a movie based on Stephen King. It's called Stand by Me. It's a coming of age adventure story. If you kind of combine that with the the butterfly f- uh, effect with a twist of Stranger Things, that's that's kind of um, it's kind of a coming of age. It's a, a time travel mystery historical drama. Um, so that was a completely standalone. It's got nothing to do with my experiences as a police officer, and I wrote that, and that was really fun to write that kind of style book. Um, so I've done that in the middle of writing my crime. I think my heart will always be with writing crime uh, crime fiction. Um, that's just what you know. It's what I read and it's what I like to write. Right. That's what you did for so long. That's one of the, probably one of your strengths, I would imagine. It's, it's, you lived this life. You can probably tell it better than most crime writers. Well, yeah, it's interesting. Um, there are a lot of uh, exceptionally talented crime writers and very successful who, who've, who've gone on to making great crime fiction, um, but they don't come from a law enforcement background at all. Um, so I think, I think my point of difference is that, um, even though I feel I'm still an emerging writer, but I can create that, I can introduce the reader to some true authenticity. And in fact, I've even started, um, I've developed a workshop tailored around, um, teaching Australian writers in particular, because here in Australia, we are very much influenced by American television and books. And, and sadly, a lot of, a lot of people who don't know any better are very much influenced by what they see in America. We are very different here in Australia, particularly the way we do things. Our, our, our policing system and jurisdictions are different. Um, a lot of the same social issues, don't get me wrong, but there are certainly um, differences. I've been to the US and I've been on a, on a, um, a scholarship where I work with police departments in American Canada. So I'm in a posi- position where I can make that accurate comparison. Um, so I've developed a workshop to try and show to uh, emerging Australian writers of if you're going to write crime in an Australian setting, you need to make make sure that it's accurate, it's authentic, and it's done in the way we do things here in Australia. And I'm am finding that there's a lot of lot of interest and in, in demand for it. So I, I, I see that that's probably somewhere I'm going to be heading in the future as well as sharing my experience to help other writers here in Australia. That's fantastic. How would people find more information on that? Because I know I've got a few people over in Australia that are writers that listen to this podcast regularly. Yeah, so I've started putting out information on on social media. So there's uh, Jack Roney on Facebook and, and Instagram, also my website. There's there's information there as well. I'm doing some face to face workshops here here in in Brisbane. Then I'm looking at doing some Zoom workshops um, later this year. Awesome. So if people were wanting to grab a hold of one of your books, where would they go? What's the best way to find you? Uh, you can you can find the usual um, ebooks on Amazon and so on, um, or probably um, my website would be probably the best way to go. And what's your website? Uh, JackRoney.com.au. Perfect. Uh, and one more time, what's the name of your books? The two that you have so the and the one, one coming is, out. <laughs> 
one that's come that that is already out is called the angels wept um uh, the two is called the demons woke and it's it's coming out soon uh then my standalone young adult book is uh called the ghost train and the scarlet moon and i've already started doing some work with high schools with that as well um involved in a, a writing program with a local high school um so that's been fantastic as well to to delve into a different type of writing so not just be you know stuck in the one lane of writing crime fiction i'm also dabbling in in young adult um, writing as well. Very nice. I love that you're still getting involved with the kids here. <laughs> it's kind of a theme going on in your life, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. I mean, my, my three kids are, are grown up, and and um, you know, I've always been passionate about um, you know working with young people, whether it be coaching and sport or through my job as a child protection detective. So, no, I always love um, love working with um, with with young adults. Nice. So if you uh, indulge me, I have one last question that I always ask before I let people go. And it's all right if you need to take a moment to think about it. But what is one thing that you love about yourself that's not related to anything physical? Um, yeah, I, I guess that's a really hard question for anybody to, um, to answer because we're, we're our worst critics. Exactly. Um, I, th I think probably for me at the moment is I'm, I'm on an, an adventure of rediscovery. So I'm actually proud of the fact that I took the courage to leave the police so that I could explore what to, to explore my dreams and to discover what else is out there to look back and, and say, look, I, I love my career, but there's still a long future ahead. Um, so I'm, I do feel proud that, that I could have just, taken the easy option and said, oh, you know what, it's just all too hard and everyone expects me to stay and, and I'll just stay until I turn 60 and then I'll retire. Um, but I, I feel for probably the first time in my life, I took a real risk um, and, and I feel proud that I did that. That's amazing. You should be proud. You came up, became a police officer at such a young age and you did that for so long and you impacted so many people and you're still doing it. I mean, there's, there's so much to be proud of, Jack. You're, you're pretty amazing. You're awesome. Well, thank you. And, and I do feel, yeah, I do feel that um, because towards the, the last few years of my policing career, I, I made it to senior sergeant. I was kind of in middle management and I was working behind a desk in police headquarters and I was more dealing with corporate issues and HR issues and uh, you know, bureaucracy and political oh. correctness. And, and so I was stuck in that more corporate role. So probably my operation, operational policing career was kind of was behind me. Um, whereas now I feel I can do more. I can interact with, with people um, now that I've left the police and now I've got the freedom to kind of explore uh, this crowd of uh, writing workshops and working with students and, and even just impacting people um, who read my books and learn about my policing experiences and, and even how my, my detective, how he overcomes adversity. And hopefully that's some, um, you know, that's of help to people as well. So I feel I can still be influencing people by what I'm doing right now and, and also what I'm, what I plan to do in the future. Absolutely. I, I totally believe that that's absolutely the case for you. Uh, you're, there's big things still in your future. You're on the right path. You're doing awesome stuff. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, that's about it for this episode. Um, but Jack, if you hold on for just a moment after we uh, end the, the, the uh, episode, I may have to edit that part out. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'd love to chat with you a little bit more and just get your um, details so that I can get that in the um, description of the podcast so that people can find you and follow you on social media and all that good stuff. Okay. 
Sure thing. Thanks again, Amanda. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much, Jack. And ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this week. But tune in next week. I have another Australian book author uh, that's going to be joining us. Uh, She's pretty remarkable and you don't want to miss that episode. So uh, stay tuned next week. If you've enjoyed tonight's episode, please make sure you check out the episode description. You're going to find links there on how you can learn more about this guest, links to connect with them on social media, and how to support this podcast. Remember, I don't get paid to do this. My boss is a bit tight-fisted, but I can say that. I work for myself. In short, this show really is all about the guest. If you've enjoyed this interview, please feel free to let them know. Thank you.